Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually, you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2019 and beyond. I am Zach, and with me is Brad. Uh, and every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go in and see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw David Gordon Green's Halloween. Or did we? No, we didn't. Brad, what did we see? Well, unfortunately, uh, Ryan had a last minute cancellation, so we're going to. Review that next week instead, and this week we're going to change it up, and it's actually going to be Bad Times at the El Royale, which is the movie I saw. And I did not, because I'm an asshole. No, um, you just, you know, you followed the plan, the, the second plan, which is now, this is the third plan. Is it a simple plan? Clearly not, because we... <laughs> It's it, confusing. It is not Sam Raimi's homage to the Coen brothers, a simple plan. Uh, which is one of Ryan's favorite films from uh, 1998. So listen to our film Explosion 98, guys. Uh, but we yeah, also thanks for when telling me that uh, the trailers were missing on a couple of those. Oh, that's for 2008. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the 2008 one. I just, I just, I know I listened to it when I edited it. Yeah, but I listened to it now that it's actually on Stitcher. And I missed like three trailers and or didn't cut one off properly. So one was Strangers and one was Frost Nixon. Yeah, but I can't remember the other one if there was another one. So it was um, Doubt had like the, the what takes so long about doing film explosions is that I have to download trailers from YouTube and often fans make their own trailers. So I have to <laughs> like QC the trailers I download, um, and you know some of them are two minutes, some of them are five minutes long. And that's a lot of extra time that I don't want to spend watching trailers when I could be editing. So I sometimes just kind of throw caution to the wind and put the most complete looking one that I scrubbed through up and I miss Doubt's extra like entire finale scene. 
added to that trailer for some reason. Pull a prank and do a super trailer if we ever talk about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Super trailers. Feel free to let me know when it shows edited improperly. I rushed home and fixed it. So Yeah. I I, I, I noticed it, but I was like, mm, maybe it's wrong, something wrong with my player. And then I re-listened to it again like a couple of days ago, and I'm like, no, it's, it's not. Yeah. Because I listen to them normally when I'm at work, and then sometimes I'm just moving so fast at work that I'm like, eh, I'm not really noticing if. <laughs> um, but uh, that's not all we talk about. We also talk about movie news, uh, what we've been watching, uh, DVD releases and Blu-rays. And uh, every week we uh, go around town with a sexy stud named Brad. Brad, what's going on around town? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, the sexiest midnight showing ever, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, shit, son. Is Friday and Saturday, Burger. October 26th and 27th at the Esquire. Hey, it's just a sweet transvestite from um, transsexual Transylvania. I don't think we have the rights to that. <laughs> they're also doing a Wednesday, October 31st, so it's actually three nights uh, this week and into next. Yeah, because that Halloween show like always sells out. Like, yeah. It's a big, big thing. Big deal. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen it um, at midnight? Uh, I don't think I, I thought. I think I've only seen it on DVD. I'd never done the midnight screening. I'd love to do it, but I'd I'd love to. I, I mean, I love the participation element, but I'd also like to watch it on a theater. I, I love both experiences. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I love the movie though. I've seen it on DVD. It's a, it's a funny, funny ass flick with uh, Tim Curry in probably one of the two defining roles of his career. Yeah, uh, that and Clue. <laughs> It's not one of my favorite things, but he's definitely iconic. But Clue is a a favorite thing. (laughs) It is. Uh, And then November 2nd and 3rd, the following weekend, is the uh, Jurassic Park at midnight. So just uh, just letting you know in case this episode is not timely. How did they get Jurassic Park? I'll show you. (laughs) Someone should, like every time you walk into the theater (laughs) that night, (laughs) welcome. The Jurassic Park. <laughs> but they'd have to do it for every person that comes in, so it wouldn't feel special. <laughs> but that's why it would be funny. Oh, God. They have to keep playing the theme each time. At some point, someone's just going to go insane and be like, I can't take John Williams anymore. Uh, and then uh, at the drive-in is, uh, so far as far as I know, it's still uh, House with a Clock on its Walls, um, Halloween, the new one, and uh, uh, Venom. So... I, I want to see two of those uh, at a drive-in if you're interested sometime this week. I'm going to go tomorrow night because <gasps> I have tickets to a haunted house at the flea market. And Ooh. that'll last like 15 minutes, of course, because <laughs> <laughs> haunted houses are not long. And that's a quick jaunt over to the drive-in. All right. We're, talk- so, we're talking about this after the show. Missed a little <laughs> bit of clock on the walls, but eh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got a clock on your walls there, man. You might want to scrape it off. Yeah, Can someone. Who do I call to get this clock out of the walls? <laughs> like rats in here. Got to call Eli Roth. He's the expert, clearly. Um, um, what else? What else is going on around town? Anything going on at the Bug Theater? Yeah, I know Cannibal the Musical sold out. Uh, the show sold out. Yeah, but the show no sold. one showed up for the movie. You fuckers. Oh. So thanks for that. Way to let me down, everybody. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm just bringing up my calendar. You just have like this image in your head of Brad crying alone in the Bug Theater as Cannibal the Musical's playing in the background. <laughs> uh, Wednesday at the Alamo, actually, um, uh, Steve hosts like a, a movie game show or 
It's uh, round it's table a, discussion. It's a talk show called uh, Splice It. Splice It, yeah. Um, uh, where he, he is, uh, it's not really Steve so much as his puppet counterpart. His, oh he God. uses a puppet to do Steve it. Steve lost his mind. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what this is? I don't know about that. A he cry seemed, for help. He seemed pretty calm and rested when we saw a Slice. So, um, no, it's like a Muppet version that somebody made for him, and he uses it for the talk show, and it's... It sounds pretty cool. I haven't had a chance to go see it yet, but yeah. Well, you can. You have a chance on Wednesday, and woohoo! Just saying, the real nerds are always available for these things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll come over and talk to you to to puppet Steve. I'll talk to your puppet. <laughs> and then <laughs> on so uh, dirty. <laughs> also at the Alamo on Friday, um, Mile High Movie Roast is doing Jason Lives, which Ryan would not like. <laughs> it's his favorite Jason, and uh, I. Uh, maybe he does take it seriously, like that. That movie's precious, uh, too precious to roast. But uh, I, if someone, if if they did an Industrials one, I would, I would embrace it. Yeah, exactly. You got, you got to embrace it. Like, I mean, I, I love the original Halloween, but like the Riff Tracks crew did a version of the original Halloween, and it's pretty fucking funny. Yeah, they did one on Casablanca too, which is surprisingly hilarious. It's okay to laugh at yourself. Oh yeah, exactly. Or the things you love, you know. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. That's all that's going around in town right now. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and spin some real news. News. It's real news. Um, this is actually kind of follow up from our last week's episode. Um, uh, first man apparently performed poorly at the box office so much so that Universal had to make a statement about it. I think this is just people on the Internet freaking out for no reason and then Universal dumbly responding to it. Uh, but they said that it's uh, it's a wonderful film that's going to perform strongly in the coming months, and it will have a strong domestic run that it so richly deserves. Yeah, I saw it again today. So yeah, so again, like guys, just because it doesn't meet meet a certain number yeah. doesn't mean like, you, they thought Greatest Showman was a bomb, and and then it had like legs for months. Well, it's mainly because of that soundtrack too. Yeah, um, but like. But like with First Man, like it's an awards film. Like it's going to have some form of legs unless it somehow doesn't get a nomination, which Damien Chazelle's uh behind the film, so I'm assuming he's gonna be a lock for some form of recognition. I think uh, the word of mouth on it will be pretty good because like I, I I took my mom today and she was blown away. So yeah. Well, anyway, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I think it's gonna do fine. Um, especially with that IMAX thing, I don't I, I don't know how long it'll stay in IMAX though because we've got other things coming out in IMAX. Um, <laughs> did you know there was going to be a Rambo versus Monster movie? I read that, yeah. Yeah, that, now they're going to make it its own thing uh, with Stallone still starring. Um, oh, I thought that was just it was an idea before Last Blood. That it was not yeah, no, do. that that was that was what it was going to be like around 2009 and whatnot. That's what they were thinking of, about doing. But now they're going to do both. But well, now they're doing that other Rambo movie but now they're doing this other thing where he's not going to be Rambo he's just going to be a monster hunter which either way sounds cool because it's Stallone fighting a monster this is the one thing he hasn't done yet in his career as far as I'm concerned um, but yeah like the uh, the plot synopsis of the book which was uh, w- which was supposed to be based on called Hunter um, Hunter is the ultimate tracker the world's best if you're lost Hunter can find you whether you want him to or not so already it sounds like a Stallone character that you can get behind. Um, Hunter is particular about the searches he takes on. So when the military men seeking his help are very secretive about the mission they're recruiting him for, Hunter's instincts tell him to refuse. 
but there is a beast loose somewhere in the north of the Arctic Circle, and it's already charged through a secret research facility, wiping out the entire military squad that hadn't been guarding it. <laughs> Let's move it long, along. St- long story short, he's going to fight a monster in the snow. <laughs> All right. Sounds fun. Sounds fun. I- I'm-, I'm down for that. Um. We're going to get an NYPD Blue reboot, apparently. Uh, and all I want to know is which actor's ass are we going to see? Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be it's got to be a bald you said guy. It, not me. It's got to be a bald guy. So, I mean, hey. Um, a Quiet Place sequel will be written by John Krasinski. So, that's cool. Um, Makes sense. He didn't write the, the original one on his own, did he? I think. So, the script is like three pages? Because <laughs> there's no dialogue? <laughs> It's all stage I think directions. It's more than three pages. It's, I don't think it's going to go past sixty, but <laughs> unless the plot of this film is that they learn how to use their voice to speak in defiance against the monsters, doesn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe I'm, the monsters themselves. I don't know. I'm not a Quiet Place expert. I liked the film a lot, though. Um, Jungle Cruise got moved from the fall of 2019 to the summer of 2020. So, sure, something's going on. Maybe I don't know. Uh, Luke Cage is canceled at Netflix. So, uh, is it just Jessica Jones and Daredevil left? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was a bit of a shocker because that I thought that was actually a hit, and I think it's just because Marvel is starting to consolidate on their app, the Disney app. So, yeah, okay. eventually, I think Jessica and Daredevil will be also taking a hike. Because they didn't say if uh, uh, if Luke Cage, they just say it's canceled at Netflix. They didn't say if it's moving to the Disney. Uh, to the right. Disney service. But it seems pretty obvious because I don't think Luke Cage season three was in production yet. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Jessica Jones is and it's ready to air soon. And okay. obviously Daredevil just premiered. So I, I think Daredevil season four will get the axe. And then once Jessica Jones airs, that'll be it. Cool. Um, on a Netflix related note, uh, if you like Orange is the New Black, the next season will be its last. So I'm um, sorry, guys. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. So I watched the first seasons. I watched run. Yeah, I watched the first season and I was okay with it, but I didn't bother to go any further with it. So, because um, you don't like women, <laughs> that is untrue. <laughs> I saw a great movie about women this week twice, um, and it was so great, in fact, that it made seventy-seven point five million dollars in its opening weekend, which is great for an R-rated horror movie. I'm but talking about the, Venom. I'm talking about Halloween. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! That dumb movie. Ah. Ugh. That that Eminem song still pisses me off. That was the like the whole movie was like whatever it was, but then that song hit and I was just I was within the, in the theater with James at the Alamo, and like I didn't make a fuss or anything, but I just like got up and bolted, and like, he could tell I was pissed. Yeah, well, um, I'll live. Yeah, I, I know, but but anyway, yeah, Halloween, uh, the reboot that we'll talk about next week, um, with more fan fervor, I'm sure, with Ryan in attendance, um, made a shit ton of money, um, which is great for an R-rated horror movie in October, like it, it, I guess a, a period. And let alone the fact that the main star is a, a 59 year old woman, which is like a great record breaker in and of itself. Um, we'll talk more about it next week. Um, I won't tell you what I thought yet. Although it's pretty obvious. Mm, is it though? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that's news. Uh, before you move on, I th- we should ad- address two things. Um, Henry, get well, man. Yeah, no, yeah, apparently Henry uh hurt his suffered, neck. Suffered, no, he uh suffered a blow to the head on a at, he's recording sound on set at school in New York. Mm-hmm. Um and the next thing he knows, he's waking up in the hospital and as far as we know, 
uh, he hasn't told us much since uh, I contacted him once I saw his image on uh, Instagram, but um, uh, it's just some something hit him on the head. He's got nerve damage now, though, as a result or something. Yeah. So, um, so but yeah, I, I think the neck brace is a precaution, but yeah, he, he has nerve damage. And yeah. uh, I oh, when, once he feels better, I want to ask him if he still prefers art house movies over mainstream <laughs> movies. So we'll really know how damaged he is. I'm sorry. That's a great notion to think in your head. I mean, like, obviously, yes, get well, Henry, but we do have to perform that test on you. <laughs> That's almost like a just put a bunch a of flash movie. Put a bunch of flashcards with different movie posters on them and see which ones he likes. <laughs> okay, I'm holding up a poster of Bad Boys Two, and I, Daniel Blake, and I, Daniel Blake. Which one do you prefer? Like just, a Rorschach test? He just eats both. <laughs> He just starts freaking out like once the the art house one comes up like ah, ah. <laughs> sedatum can't handle it. I'm trying to think of like he just like, goes into a corner and starts balling up. <laughs> then some Doctor Loomis style character comes in and starts talking about how screwed up he is. I met him five years ago. I, I was told he couldn't podcast. No conscience no reason no love for the films of ingmar bergman any rudimentary sense of art house awareness <laughs> but seriously yeah uh, i'm glad you're okay henry get well henry. <laughs> for the most part I, well, yeah no yeah seriously no that that sucks like you don't want to just like suddenly have something hit you and then wake up like not knowing where you like what happened you know that's that's yeah. fucking scary shit man so henry please get better um get back over here so we can record all that cool jazz. Can keep making films too, obviously, because yeah. I mean, he's the most talented out of all of us guys. I don't know if you know this. Um, and the <laughs> except for is, Brad. <laughs> and then the other thing is, um, we have a new website design. We do, and it looks fucking awesome. Congratulations on the hard work you put into that. Well, if you call hard work uh, buying a template and then implementing it, yeah, that's hard work. It requires <laughs> it requires you spending the money you also worked hard to get. <laughs> yeah, I, I spent sixty dollars and then sat on it for a year because I couldn't figure out how it worked. Um, <laughs> every time, man, those templates like they show you the demo and then it's like it's easy, just install it, and then it doesn't look like anything you expected, and then you have to. F- freaking troubleshoot it just like it's coded like the matrix <laughs> but uh yeah so it's a little incomplete for a little while um and some things are rearranged uh so bear with me as i re-upload like 300 plus episodes to a certain n- new file structure for it um and the articles are a little out of place um so uh, i know yeah i could tell not <laughs> Um, I did change my bio on that, though, because my old bio was so self-serving and obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, nah, it's, let's change this to something more realistic. <laughs> um, yeah, you got a new picture, too. Oh, yeah, I know. I appreciated that, too. Yeah. It's, it's going to look weird when people <laughs> see me and they're like, you're not that fat anymore. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I'm still pretty fat. <laughs> I know, like your old picture was you skinny, off, like next to the ocean, and now it's and now it's a and now it's a big face, and then now like I mean I've, I've been losing, I've been trying to lose weight, and I've gotten fifty pounds down from where I was in April, um, so like my face is no longer as poofy, um, and I've also made some other health choices within life within that, so as a result everything changes, but I don't want to, I need to now maybe stop so I don't become unrecognizable to other people. Not even just with this podcast, but just like people I know in general, because I don't want to freak them out. (laughs) 
Um, but cool. Awesome. Yeah. Check out that new website. It looks fucking awesome. The picture you took of it with the Ryan Gosling in the background was fucking yeah. brilliant. This Way to promote that. Have, I don't know. The cast of bad times. <laughs> um, should we do mail? Yes, we should do fan mail. Fan mail. Not so much fan mail this week, though, as it is correspondent email, because Corinne's a correspondent at this point, I would assume. True. Yeah. Um, she has recently started a Catching the Classics segment. Maybe we should throw a little uh, jingle in there for her. Catching up with the classics with Corinne. I was thinking stock music or something, but okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, she actually sent this one last week. There's two. Um, this one was from last week, and we just, I, I bonehead forgot about it. Um, but she promised she was going to watch Scarface. So this week, she is uh, recapping her experience with Scarface. Hey, nerds. So quick recap for anyone who didn't listen last week. I'm watching a bunch of famous and popular movies that I've never seen before and sending in my review. Last week, I covered Steel Magnolias. This week, Scarface, 1983. Oh, boy. Uh, now, I knew a lot more about Scarface going into the movie than I did with Steel Magnolias. I, of course, knew the famous line say hello to my little friend that it was a about a co- that it was a uh, I bought it that it was about a cocaine kingpin in Miami and that Al Pacino was in it I know it's an incredibly popular movie especially among men very true Ugh. but I personally wasn't a fan of it I do think there are a lot of elements about it that are very well crafted I think Pacino's performance was excellent especially considering how much of the movie he had to carry we saw every aspect of Tony broken and scared desperate and in- and in, uh, and ambitious, arrogant and vicious, and soft and vulnerable. There were also some sequences, especially towards the end, that expertly built up the tension. The scene where they're driving in NYC stands out to me. I also appreciated a lot of the unique camera movements, which were enough to engage you, but not so frequent that they annoyed or overwhelmed you. I also thought the guy who played Manny did an excellent job, and I loved Tony's mom. She was probably my favorite character, and I wish we would have spent more time with her. There were also some... There are also a few moments that made me laugh out loud to the point where parts of the movie felt like a dark comedy. Wait, stop. Is one of them, why don't you fuck me, Tony? <laughs> God, that fucking movie. Yes, anyway, hilarious. Um, however, this movie feels incredibly long. It's nearly three hours, true. And no, that's not as, now that's, I know that's not as long as uh, the Lord of the Ring movies, but I actually care about these characters. <laughs> Here, everyone's kind of a douchebag, and I know they're all going to die at the end, so I'm not as in- invested in their journey as, say, Frodo's. I didn't realize the movie started with us seeing Tony after he first comes to the U.S. and gets his start in the in the drug biz. I thought we were going to get introduced to him as a kingpin already. But, of the movie's three sections, I enjoyed the middle one the most. Seeing him go from Frank's inner circle to kingpin was the most interesting than watching him go from immigrant to flunky or watching his inevitable downfall in the third act. Mm-hmm. True. I agree. Um, Additionally, compared to today's culture, this movie feels incredibly dated when it comes to portraying people of color and handling its female characters. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you fuck me, Tony? Yeah. Cuban face, I guess. Uh, Yeah. Amongst other things. Yeah. (laughs) Puerto Rican face. Yeah. Um, Like I said, amongst other things. (laughs) I was blown away by how under... I was blown away by how underdeveloped a virus character is. That's Michelle Pfeiffer, right? I believe, yeah, I can't. I, I don't remember their names. <laughs> when Tony is working for Frank, she rejects Tony multiple times and doesn't seem at all interested in him. And yet she ends up marrying the guy mm. for some reason. Yeah. 
Why? Was it for his money, for the cocaine, or being so unhappy in her first marriage to a drug lord, what was she expecting would be different with the other? I felt like she was just there to be arm candy. I I, I actually think that is the point. Yeah, is, it's just a, she's a mall, um, which is not a... It's, it's a term about, like, the, 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 the mobster's uh, girlfriend. Um, but, like, the malls in traditional gangster films back in the day uh, were not necessarily, like, the most rounded-out characters. Yeah. Um, whereas in Goodfellas, you have Karen, who's not a mall, but operates in that function but is much more fleshed out. I, I think the point is that They're these not, types of characters in these— There's no development for them. They're just there. Yeah, they they never learn anything. That's yeah, the point. No, yeah, it's like in real life. They yeah. no one ever goes, Oh, I am maybe drugs isn't the way to go. Right, no, yeah. I they mean, usually end up dead. Some malls do, but like more often than not you have that one that that one like girlfriend character who's just there. You know. There's no like reason other than to maybe have an intense scene. And Tony's sister, I thought this I thought his behavior toward her seemed overly creep and borderline incestual. So I'm glad she called him out on that. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think I, that's the point. Again, is, back to that line I said two times. It's, this movie's weird. Anyway, I can see why people, men especially, <laughs> seem to like this movie. It's a modern-day adaptation of the Greek tragic hero, but with a shit ton of drugs and violence. Again, it's not for me, but it's definitely made an impact on pop culture, and that makes it at least worth checking out. Scarface, 1983. Three out of five stars. Thanks again. Next week, I plan on sending my review of Jurassic Park. Um, and that'll bring us to her review, unless you have something more to say about Scarface. I just wanted to say, like, she's absolutely right. That, that film is absolutely fucking... I, I love Brian De Palma, but that film is just a fucking mess. I remember seeing it when I was 13, and I just, like, didn't like it. But you should watch the original Scarface, Corinne, from uh, uh, nineteen the 1930s with Paul Muni. That film is brilliantly executed and well-structured and doesn't have weird incest plots. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm not like so impressed with it that I need to put the poster on my wall in college, but I thought Pacino was annoying in that movie. Even that far back, I was just like, God, oh, I really don't like this. <laughs> that, yeah. It is, it, I did not expect his accent. And yeah. again, uh, keeping him, keeping him after three hours, you settle into it. Yeah. And keeping in mind, like I had seen that first Scarface before I'd seen Pacino Scarface. So I was already tainted in that regard and liking one over the other. Hey, nerds. Psych. Uh, this is actually 2.5, so there's no Jurassic Park. This is actually a quick double feature for you and the listeners because I needed to tackle a movie this week, but it was one I think I've already seen before, so it wouldn't technically count towards my series. After watching Scarface last week, I decided to spend the additional buffer week with Blazing Saddles. Ooh! I'm 90% sure I've seen it before, but couldn't quite remember as it's probably been 10-plus years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a very good movie. Yep. It took a while to get going, as the first 20 to 30 minutes seemed kind of slow. Valid. Mm, no. But once Bart shows... <laughs> nope, you're wrong. But once Bart shows up to town, I think that's where it really kicks off. I loved how he got an opportunity to outwit his antagonists rather than just beating them down with pure brawn. It was a nice change of pace. And I love the ending. That fight-slash-dance scene is hilarious, and probably my favorite part. Blazing Saddles, four out of five stars. Okay, next week I'll review Jurassic Park. Slow or amazing, because there's some really funny jokes in the first 20 minutes of that movie. I think slow, in your mind, means dumb, and you're wrong. I don't know. I love you don't know what I think. Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks, the comic genius. When he dies, the world dies of uh, the world dies in terms of laughter. Anyway, cool, Corinne. Um, I can't wait to. She's never seen Jurassic Park. That's weird. 
It feels weird, at least. I huh. think she has. Oh, just she's just reviewing the the quote unquote the AFI kind of like vibe. So uh, let me go back to. I think I th- it's. Like I thought stuff it was. She hasn't watched in a while that she's catching. Like it's catching. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. No, that's that's totally valid. Because I think she's seen, she said she had seen Steel Magnolias before. Or wait, maybe I'm thinking wrong. I don't know. I think that just happens to be one she's never seen. Oh, okay. I, no, you're I right. She's never seen that. She's never seen Jurassic Park. All right. Wow. Wow. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, well, good. Just see, just see that one and ignore the others. <laughs> Corinne, next weekend or next next weekend, November second and third. See you at the Esquire midnight. Yeah, there you with go. A crowd in the theater. It feel like you were in 1993 again. Yeah, we'll make the we'll make the ushers change their clothing to period appropriate. <laughs> um. Hey, Esquire employee, you want fifty bucks? <laughs> Put on this Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I don't think they had five point one back then, so it might even be in stereo. Oh yeah, and also it'll be a digital print. She'll just be like, "Wait a minute, this isn't on film," and then walk out. Cool, right on. Well, thank you, Kren. Um, now we're gonna move into some Blu-ray releases. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Um. We are getting the Blu-ray release of Sorry to Bother You, which uh, you and I have both seen. Um, I liked it. You uh, you were not as positive on it. Not enough to buy it. Not enough to buy it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I thought the release not right away. Yeah. Um, also, Community, the complete series on Blu-ray, didn't that already come out a couple weeks ago? It keeps getting pushed around, so. Okay, so then it, as of now, it's coming out, guys. Yep. Um, also, the unrated cut of the Evil Dead remake, um, a.k.a. just Evil Dead. Um, which is was a source of controversy when it first came out on on home video because they had an unrated cut, but then it got leaked, and then they just decided they weren't going to release it. Um, so now you can get the unrated cut of Evil Dead. Um, uh, Shout Factory is putting out Get Shorty on a collector's edition, uh, which is a fun film. I recommend you check it out. Um, and then uh, Scream Factory is putting out Creep Show, um, the George A. Romero Stephen King mashup. Uh, it's a good film. Um, I will definitely be picking that one up. Also in the Stephen King realm, Maximum Overdrive on Vesteron <laughs> releases. Uh, that movie's fucking nuts. Um, and uh, Criterion's putting out Sisters, um, which is an early Brian De Palma film. Uh, so if you haven't seen that, you can check it out. Brian De Palma, uh, Brian De Palma director of Scarface. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you if you if you've seen Scarface and you're like, I want a more feminine touch, watch Sisters. Uh, it's a good early film of his. Not a uh, masculine-driven piece of crap. Um, uh, on the new release front, though, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, uh, the sequel to 2008's Mamma Mia, uh, is coming out on Blu-ray, so you can... As a sing-along edition. Uh, oh, God, fuck. My... Goodbye, rest of the week. <laughs> um, and then um, we're also getting a re-release of uh, Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead from 1990. Um, which I don't see what company he's putting it out, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it's a pretty good flick. Um, uh, I know Ryan's more keen on it than I have, but I haven't watched it in a while. And the last time I watched it was like in a VHS. Um, also Twilight's coming to 4k guys. So, um, yeah, if you want, spark, All of them. if you want glittery vampires and even glittery, even more glitter, glittery than they were the first time, check that out. All of them, all um, four of them. But I think the biggest um, new release that is coming out, it says here, is Christopher Robin on 4K. Mm. It doesn't seem right, but it's there on the listing for October 23rd. So. It's not digital bits, but 
then maybe it's a mistake. And maybe Blu-ray.com needs to get their act together. You know what's weird is last week, uh, I didn't see Ash vs. Evil Dead, the complete series, in stores. I did. That bobblehead's there. Okay. Yeah. It's, there's, there were two copies of it at Southland today. <laughs> um, also, if you guys have been clamoring to see the other four Scorpion King movies, you can check them out in the five-pack of the Scorpion King movie collection on Blu-ray. I'm not going to do that. And, uh Yeah. That's Blu-rays. I see a celebrating Mickey thing. That's the one that um, uh, Ryan was telling me doesn't have a bunch on it. It's just like this. It's like a. It's like the equivalent of those cheapo Looney Tunes DVDs you get for five bucks. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm seeing a thing called Snake Out of Compton here, <laughs> and I only bring that up because the Bug Theater is actually going to screen that movie. Um, I think the thirtieth. Nice. Awesome. Of yeah. So. Um, Tim Johnson, who's one fourth of the band Balonium, um, which is a band with uh, Richard Taylor, uh, who has been on the show before. Um, Tim Johnson wrote this movie. Really? And it got produced and the trailer's nuts. Um, <laughs> and he wanted to share it with Denver. So make sure you come out and check it out. Sweet. October 30th, the Bug Theater. I think it's free. Ooh, hot damn. Yeah. Concessions aren't free, though. <laughs> what the hell, Alex? <laughs> All right, cool. That That's Blu-rays. Unless you see one more thing that I missed. Mm, there's a steelbook, I think, um, Night of the Demons for Shout Factory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you had pre-ordered it a couple months back, you could get a cool, creepy doll. Um, I've never seen Night of the Demons, but... Um, Me neither. Uh, anyway, I mean, Scream Factory is a label that I trust, so maybe I'll check it out at some point. Um, I can't afford them at um, mass like Ryan can, apparently, so. Um, yeah, cool. All right, um. You're leading this thing, man. Yeah, that's right, I forgot. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm so used to you leading it when it's just the two of us. Um, this week we're gonna, (laughs) no, um, we're gonna move on to what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Again, this is it's all throwing me off, man. Um, Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, quite a few things. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, the newest thing I watched, which uh, the second series of Making a Murderer has dropped on Netflix. How was it? You know, it's been three years since the first one, and I was wondering. And you like, miss those characters so much. And I, uh, I wondered, you know, the, the first one deals with like 30 years of this guy's life. Right. Um, across what, 10 episodes, mm-hmm. um, you know, three years, what can they possibly, what story can they possibly tell that's compelling? Well, there is a bunch that's happened since that series too. So clearly, cause I saw it <laughs> Yeah, I was going to talk about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, if you thought season one was nuts, um, the past three years have been crazy too. The amazing thing is he has a new defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. Stephen Avery does um, a foundation for uh, um, I forget the name of it, but they're taking care of Brendan Dassey's situation. So every episode is about half Stephen Avery, uh, half Brendan Dassey. Um, but Stephen Avery's new lawyer is like the Mythbusters of cr- crime solving. <laughs> um, okay. All the, all the stuff of, like, why didn't they, they do this, why didn't they do that, um, she addresses. And mm. she'll actually do the experiments to show, like, she's basically trying to recreate the actual crime. Mm. Um, 
the main hiccup is, and I'm not going to talk too much because like the mystery is amazing and I don't want to spoil it for you, but, um, her situation and a little bit of Randassi is like, is the, the, the conflict is fighting the courts and trying to get retrials or anything, um, to expose the new evidence. Uh, that, that's the main, that, that's the main difficulty is showing the new evidence and the new evidence is just like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the, the cover-ups and like the whodunits and it, it's just you got you got to watch it yeah i saw the first one on your guys's recommendation and i guess the rest of pop cultures as well um and i liked it um it i don't know why it didn't hit me the same way it hit others um i think it's probably because i was so into that um west memphis three case and the documentaries that they made out of them that i was like i've seen this before this kind of story before but it is an interesting case and one that is interesting to look at so if uh, part two is that good as you say then i definitely got to check it out i know a couple of people on instagram who are just like already thumbing through it so yeah i I think my favorite part is how the new lawyer like breaks down the scenes and you know actually does the experiments to test you know all the variable possibilities that could happen. And it sounds very similar to what paradise last two does, uh, where they, uh, cause that film is filled with people trying to, um, go through forensic evidence to figure out, um, if they could even be remotely related to the crime. And there's a lot of stuff about bite marks in that film. Um, yeah. And, but anyway, cool. Right on. Um, and then, of course, I'm trying to do my 31 days of horror movies. I know. I'm a little behind. Um, so hopefully I make that goal. But uh, I, I rewatched the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Still pretty good. Um, what I haven't Nispel. seen. <laughs> what? Marcus Nispel. Yeah. yeah. What I haven't seen before is the original Wolfman. Oh, you watched the black and white movie? I did. How bored were you? <laughs> <laughs> I recognize its place in the pantheon of film history but that that acting style from that time man i just i'm just not clearly because you didn't like maltese falcon either (laughs) i I don't they're not people who reel me in with (laughs) stop there they're not people (laughs) they're not people um yeah i I just can't get into their story yeah Um, the atmosphere is great i like i love the moodiness of it but just it just feels like people are just reading lines to me they're just saying the lines on the page. Majority of the actors back in the day were primarily theater, so I know. it could seem like that. I know. Um, however, you're wrong. Thankfully, Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese came along and pulled the camera from behind. Well, if you listen to James, Martin Scorsese <laughs> had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I mean, like it's not for the, the, those Universal monster movies are not for everybody. Like you, you've got to, have, you definitely have to have grown up with them to appreciate them. Yeah. Like on the above the level that you already did. So. Admittedly, 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 I was half working on stuff too, so my full attention was <laughs> applied to it. But again, like making a murder, I'm working and I'm constantly looking up and actually watching the thing and losing time. Right. Uh, whereas Wolfman, I'm just like I'm listening to it. Did you have it on DVD or Blu-ray? I have it on DVD. It's actually part of a collection. So the other thing I watched was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman <laughs> <laughs> with Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein's yeah. monster. Actually, Bill Lugosi's in The Wolfman. He's like some... Yeah, he's, he's, a, the, he's, the, he, right? he's the gypsy bailout yeah. who's like, no, 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 you go now, go. It's a crossover. Yeah. Um, and again, like that's kind of the same situation, but again, this is more comedy than... Did you know that uh, Bill Lugosi thought that character was supposed to be blind because he was blind in the movie before it? 
And so that's why he's waving his arms around like a fucking moron. (laughs) (laughs) None of that. (laughs) It's pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, I'm going to watch it at some point for my uh, continuing my binge. So, Um, Uh, And then I was about to uh, put in Repo the Genetic Opera, and then... um, But somebody repossessed it? No, I was was fiddling around on um, Amazon Prime, and... uh, uh, I was trying because I have a DVD of Repo. I was like, "Well, Prime might have the HD version, right?" Um, and of course, I started searching and the you know keywords and everything. It brought up uh, uh, the like the next film that they did uh, from Terrence. Oh, the Devil's next, Carnival. The Devil's Carnival. Um, and wow, it's just a kind of a, a steep step down, <laughs> right, from Repo. Um. Well, it's not supposed to be just a film. It's supposed to be part of an experience that you do, too. I'm getting um, to that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, So the production design is amazing. It looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, But story and music-wise, the, the music isn't nearly as catchy. Um, And the story is the devil is going to wage war in hell. And there's all these scenes um, like, um, uh, what's it? Young Indiana Jones. What's his name? Young Indiana Jones, the guy um, who plays him, he's like a three-word name, oh, three-name rem- name. I don't remember. Uh, he was in the Saw movie. All right. Anyway, um, there's like four or five people, and they're they like they do bad things, and then they get Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh, okay, uh, um, it took me a minute. I think Alexa Vega was the other one, um, because she's been part of that whole crew for a while. Yeah, um, but there are people who like do something bad or like questionable. And then the like devil convinces them. I don't know. It's it's so confusing, um, and the music isn't as catchy. So, um, yeah. And then as it ends, I'm like, it. This didn't go anywhere. Like I just met like four or five people, and the devil's telling like storybook stories. And then, you know, on Prime it says then there's this other devil's carnival. I'm like, wait a minute. Like it almost has the same cover art, so you wouldn't know. Is it? It's Alleluia. Right? It's Alleluia. Yeah. The Devil's Carnival. So this is like uh, Paul Sorvino plays the God, and so this is like. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a great idea. <laughs> part two um, is like from his perspective, um, and the devil like is like taking a train to throw souls to fight him. Um, so that's confusing. And there's like a, a classroom where. <laughs> Um, uh, some rapper or something is uh doing. Uh, it's so I don't know what the story is other than like, and then it also ends. I'm like, oh my god, this is a trilogy. Um, but the third one isn't out yet. And then I did some research and Repo, the original movie, grossed like eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Or no, no, it had a budget of eight million dollars, and it only grossed a hundred twenty-seven thousand or something, which is like yeah, because they dumped it into nowhere. Well, yeah, it was, a, it was a road show where I saw it. Yeah, I never saw it like on a marquee and it had this strange limited engagement even before that too yeah but i didn't think i i never looked up the gross before so i was like that seemed way low like i figured at least a million or something right even with the road show um but yeah 120 i was like wow so then i looked at the budgets of these two new ones and they're like each 500 i mean it feels like they're together five hundred thousand dollars, but they're listed in imdb as you know five hundred thousand alone but I, i could see whereas like if they're doing a trilogy 
the three the 500 is spread out across all three but it's just like they all look like they're shot in the same room mm-hmm. with the set switched out um the lighting is very like very colorful but like single colorful like a lot of scenes are all red um or all yellow mm-hmm. or harshly red and yellow um uh, the costumes are great but yeah i was just like wow this is just a 180 from uh the repo that i enjoyed so much you know which, which had that like cgi sin city style um background stuff and obviously with the lower budget they can't do that right so uh like there's some amazing things like the carnival itself the backdrop with the stars and everything is all digital mm-hmm. uh, but still like looks appropriate but a lot of the interior stuff um is very much like a haunted house uh set um so that was kind of disappointing but i i'll i guess i'll watch the third one just to wrap it all up I like the idea. Gets to it. I like the idea of Paul Sorvino as God. God looks slow, but he knew how to handle it. <laughs> also, a God who's like a total dick. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> He's like really mean to everybody in the movie. Um, then also watched Don't Breathe Again, which I hadn't seen in a while, and that Turkey was... Baster. <laughs> yep, the Turkey Baster movie. Yep. Um, <laughs> And that's a that's a pretty still great thriller. It's um, always nine bucks at Best Buy, but I never pick it up. I don't know why. It's a good flick. Yeah, it's got eight to lead the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the picture to sell it. Yeah, uh, and then I also rewatched The Innkeepers. Ty West's, uh, I think, second kind of uh, it's not his second film, but it's like his second when he was. It's his, his third. Phase. I think it's his third film because the second one is that Cabin Fever two, um, or House uh, of the Devil. Well, House of the Devil is the first one, and then Cabin Fever two. Like they're they're both kind of like at the same time, um. But yeah, Innkeepers. It's Clerks in a Haunted Hotel. Yeah, yeah, accurate. Yeah, it's a very good film. I love it. Um, but yeah, as far as like ghost movies, it's it's, it's pretty good. Um, I I think the only thing that's disappointing is like it's it's unsettling that. I guess I can't say that because I spoil it. Um, but, <laughs> I've but, seen it. <laughs> well, the people listening. Oh, uh, that's true. I guess that's true. So yeah. I don't want to like. Again, it's clerk, so it's a lot in a, in a hotel, so it's a lot of just conversations. But the finale is different. Yeah, because it's movies. well, yeah, because it's 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 the thing that kind of throws you off the yeah. the track. Um, yeah, I like it. You know, Ty West is a good filmmaker. He did, the Sacrament is one of my favorites of his because really, just, I, I, that one. I love it because it's just batshit crazy, and Gene Jones gives an incredible performance, man. Yeah. Uh, and House of the Devil's fucking a masterpiece beyond like beyond yeah, it is question. The best one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I just watched something else, but I'm going to say that's it. All right. Cool. Um, I went through a couple of things. I, yeah, I'm sorry. I was waiting for you to give me the cue. No, the other thing um, I, is the movie this week. So, yeah. Yeah, no. So, all right, cool. Um, I watched a couple of things. Uh, after we finished last week, I watched the Matrix Revolutions to finish that whole, uh, thing up. Um, again, I like the sequels just fine. Um, I, obviously they have their issues, but the, 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 well, you're wrong. The bad stuff isn't out, isn't, out, isn't outweighing the good stuff for me. Um, I really enjoyed rewatching it this time. Um, not all the visual effects hold up, obviously, as I discussed last week. And, uh, um, although the rain, uh, in the final, uh, brawl between Smith and, uh, Neo is, a, is helping the CGI a little bit, but not too much. Um, it, it makes it more like intriguing, uh, than the burly brawl in reloaded. Um, and, uh, I, 
I appreciated the the idea that it's it kind of like it it kind of like it, it manages to solve the issues of the of reloaded with the whole concept of like oh well your hero's journey's pointless and whatnot while not letting you off the hook in terms of like playing with your head a little bit like each of the films manages to play with your head to some degree or another um uh, I will say that um the bringing back the Frenchman like the Frenchman's my least favorite character in that entire series of films and I didn't really want him back for the third one but I get it they were having fun with that actor Monica Bellucci as well was like big at that point too so but I again I think it's a fine capper to a trilogy that probably wouldn't have happened if it if the first matrix had blown up as big as it did um so um i uh i got titanic on blu-ray um because it was like nine bucks um i didn't rewatch the film but i watched like all the special features on it and i'm not like the biggest titanic fan in the world although those visual effects were inspiring when i saw it as a young kid like i'm just like oh they're making that boat sink that's fucking amazing um that with star wars was like kind of like the 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 gate opener for film. Um, but I didn't realize like the, the pop culture phenomenon that that film was like, I only saw it like glimpses of it cause I was so young, but that shit was fucking crazy. Like they showed archive footage of all the people going into that theater and walking out, like fucking like losing their goddamn minds. Um, and then like they showed like how that song was such a big hit that the, my heart will go on by Celine Dion. Like it, I just like, I knew it was big, but I didn't like grasp it fully until I watched that documentary. And now, granted, it's it's James Cameron making approving all those DVD special features, so there's a little bit of self service there. But I, I can look past it. Like, I mean, that movie is a visual and technical accomplishment beyond any question. Um, I also watched the same kind of documentary for Avatar because I got interested, and that's just as impressive. Um, I liked that he. In order to visualize the world of Avatar, he had to get um, he went with Weta Workshop to kind of create the history of the Navi and stuff like that. I'm gonna probably try and rewatch Avatar because I haven't seen it since theaters. Uh, I remember the second time I saw it, I was like, ah, this wasn't as impressive as I thought it was the first time. Um, but whatever, you know. Again, it's it's a technical achievement. Um, I uh, I watched The Burning, uh, which uh, Ryan had loaned to me on Scream Factory and uh that's um that's a horror film. Um I hadn't seen it for a long ass time and at the time I first saw it, I didn't pay attention to the fact of the credits other than maybe Tom Savini, but that film is a film written and produced by the Weinstein company or the Weinstein brothers before they made it big. Um and watching the film again, um it's very apparent of what kind of guys they were <laughs> um, like watching the special features, especially just because of like Tom Savini said, like they were like causing shit all over the place behind scenes. And I'm like, well, I, yeah, like all the things are there for you to go like, Oh, we should have probably saw this a fucking mile away. Um, but the movie itself, uh, it's a fine slasher flick. It's about a, a groundskeeper who's burned by some kids playing a prank and then he seeks revenge with the shears um jason alexander's in it and the whole time i just wanted the cropsy to take off his like take off any like mask he had on and uh rip off his scars and reveal that he's just kramer but that didn't happen obviously 
Um, and Fisher Stevens is in it. He gets his fingers cut off. So it's a it's a it's a fun old time revisiting that flick. Um, I had remembered the scene. There's a scene on a uh, raft when they're trying to get help, and then the killer comes out and just kills all the kids on there, and that's how Fisher Stevens gets it. And like I remember that freaking me out when I first saw it. Um, this time around, obviously, to this Blu-ray, you can see Savini's practical effects pretty clearly, and some of them hold up. Some, not all of them do. Um, there's one where a guy gets shears through his neck, and it doesn't. It, it's clear that he's got a prosthetic underneath, and the head's just poking through a, a, a safe spot. Um, but watching the interview of how he did it was was pretty interesting because. My assumption is like uh, one false move and someone's dead. Um, so that was the power of practical effects back then, uh, to be sure. Um, I, uh, I rewatched also the documentary on the making of the thing. Um, that was pretty interesting. Um, I, I, I've watched it several times, but I always kind of pick up something new from it each time. Um, and then the uh, – uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen – I saw anything else this week. Yeah, no, that's it, bud. All right, yeah. All right, I guess that leads us to the review. This week, Brad saw Bad Times at the El Royale, the new Drew Gardner film. It's such a bad idea, having me solo this movie. <laughs> hey, there's a first time for everything. Oh, I, you man. know what? I'll, I'll play dumb. I don't blow it. <laughs> um, Brad, should people go see Bad Times at the El Royale? Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to see it again because... It's not the uh, like witty Tarantino esque uh, smoke and aces movie that I suspected it would be. It's actually um, more interesting than that. Um, it's also, but it's also not quite uh, Cabin in the Woods mm-hmm. uh, as uh, it's surprising. Old, it's not a big old mystery box. Yeah, it's more of a it's more of a movie that is fun to watch, but at the end you don't know what the point was, mm, okay. or if there is one, I'm too dumb to see it. So um, I, it's definitely interesting to watch because there's a lot of weird shit going on, but uh, you might be turned off like I was at like, I wasn't sure why we went through this journey. So here's the trailer for bad times at the El Royale. The El Royale is a bi-state establishment. You have the option to choose a room in either California or Nevada. How'd you end up at the El Royale? The Ritz-Carlton was booked. This place used to be hustling and bustling. Old Dean Martin even sang a song about it once. This is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. We might need to work on your sales pitch, son. <laughs> the El Royale, no place for a priest. Who they tell me to watch? Who's they? Management. Baby, it's my Would you mind opening up the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. We have to 
get as far away from him as possible. Howdy. This is awkward because uh, while that trailer was playing, I wouldn't actually go went to go see the movie. So yeah, that was crazy. I know, I know. Time, How did you fit a two-hour movie into a three-minute trailer? Time is a construct, my friend. Hannibal Buress taught me that in the movie Tag. It's true. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Tag. We're here to talk about Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, Drew Goddard's. Uh, I would call this a Quentin Tarantino movie, to a degree, but not really. It's it's. Uh, it's certainly a mer- mystery caper of some sorts. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? Well, I, I'm, I would never discourage anyone from watching it. I think it's, I think it's absolutely watchable. There's no denying that. Um, my problem lies with the runtime a bit for uh, this type of film. Um, it, it, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, and it, I, I think that Drew Goddard did the right like thing in terms of the way he spreads it out and tells the story but there are moments where I'm just like uh, this is this is split up like a Quentin Tarantino movie this is obviously a Tarantino homage and I don't know if I was like okay with that I don't know like and like having just seen it after that three minute trailer um <laughs> how'd you do that that was crazy I, I you know what I'm I'm faster than a speeding bullet more powerful than a Zod's neck neck breaker um uh no um i mean like again like again the the movie is immensely watchable but i think the issue that like so let's we should talk about the plot for a minute yeah we're um, already in spoiler territory yeah so. so the plot is a priest um a singer um a salesman who's not a salesman um and um a uh, woman who may or may not have a woman kidnapped uh, all enter a motel um where the bellboy played by Lewis Pullman takes them all to their rooms and uh turns out that uh there's windows uh two-way mirrors i'm sorry um in each room where management can see them um then they can be recorded and then sent to management um uh so the whole basic premise is kind of like that voyeur documentary on netflix uh where they can look in the motel um the 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 issue that I have with in that regard is that they're so they're trying to split up the stories of the different rooms and whatnot. I just don't think that you needed to like split it up that way. I think it would have been easier to tell this story in a more traditional linear fashion without losing the style. Um, and but again, I like the way it was constructed and told because it was fun and interesting and it holds the surprises it needs to hold until the very end. Um, the, the the Lewis Pullman character, which by the way, Lewis Pullman knocks it out of the park in this film. I don't know if this is the first film he's done, but he is Bill Pullman's son, so he has, obviously has some chops from uh, from that side of the family. Um, but um, but um, or maybe it's not his. I I didn't look up to see if it was his son, but he looked damn. like he could be. Yeah, he could easily be a Lone Star's son. <laughs> um, I'm just assuming because Pullman's such a name that. 
it sticks out, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, his performance is fantastic, mainly because like he starts off as kind of like the introduction to the hotel or the motel, and then you start learning things about him and his past, whether it's his heroin addiction or the fact that he was in Vietnam. Um, and it all kind of plays well to his character. And so revealing the stuff about him the way he does uh, in the film is perfect. Some of the other stuff, though, like in order to reveal more information as the story goes on, everything starts overlapping in that kind of interesting way. And it works for a minute, but then I just realized about like, I want to say about an hour and ten minutes in, I think I've seen John Hamm die like five times. <laughs> <laughs> in like several different angles. Um, so it was, it got a little monotonous because of that, even though the angles were interesting and different and from a different perspective. Um, I, I just felt like it was kind of like, okay, I get it. Move along. Um, whereas, and I'm going to be a little like anti James on this one. Like, whereas hateful eight, when it does that, doesn't like stoop in it it kind of like it moves forward while still getting that point across and i think that this one kind of sits in itself a little too much in the wrong places um that being said though very interesting story um the trailer made it seem like it was like a mystery box movie like a like a jj abrams kind of a thing or uh even a you know like well what's in cap when I first saw the trailer for Cabin in the Woods, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And then you watch the movie and you understand. With this one, um, the whole idea of management and whatnot is a pretty basic idea that has no other like real nefarious connotation to it other than they make movies of people doing illicit acts and then blackmail people with them. Um, but the there's a MacGuffin in the film um, involving a, you know, a, film, uh, a piece of film uh, which... It, it, I liked how they kept saying like it doesn't matter what what's on the film, and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter what's on the film. But they kept saying, oh, that, it's a dead, it's a dead, it's a dead, it's a, it's a dead important man, and I'm like, oh, JFK, okay, cool. <laughs> so it's a, I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. I, I don't, I don't think, but um, I don't know. Like you've seen it twice now. Did you, did you take a minute to figure out who it was or? Oh yeah, spoiler! I I snuck out and watched it with you. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, what'd you ask? Like, did you know that it was JFK on the film, or did it take you a minute to like, or did it take you more than one viewing to understand that's what it was on the film? Yeah, it took me the second viewing to figure it out because at first I thought it was Nixon because mm-hmm. you know they have clips of him on the TV, right? Um, in the movie, so um, I was surprised. Uh, you know, for the setup of what the the hotel is. Mm-hmm. They didn't. I didn't feel like they played with the California Nevada. Uh, like, you know, it's, even in the trailer, it makes it seem like you know our location has this unique thing of half of it's this. But right away, when they're selecting rooms, uh, all the California ones are not available. So everything mostly takes place in Nevada side. Um, it's like, why would you set up this, you know, unique special location and then not utilize it in a creative way? Which I found odd it could be it could be representative of the fact that that hotel itself has been mismanaged and misrun over the years because of the miles of the the miles character and his addiction um because it seems like he literally is the only person running in that motel right now since it has been well yeah they say like because they lost their liquor license or their gaming license and and they're in the gaming license that you know pretty much 
you can do one thing on one side and then uh, food and stuff on the other. Yeah, you can drink on the California side, but you can't drink on the Nevada side. Uh, but as far as the whole money uh, and murder mystery stuff, I, I figured that would have it would have figured been an, into it a little more. It would have been an interesting jurisdiction twist. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, also, I, I I like the John Hamm character at the beginning, but he is literally only in it for like the beginning, and then the five times you see him get shot by Dakota Johnson. Um, but uh, I kind of wanted more with him. Um, yeah. I really wanted to know, like, I, I obviously he's working for the FBI, and like he's talking to Hoover, but. What was he there for? Like I, I well, he I, was there to retrieve the JFK evidence. Right. Okay. Okay. So, the, so he's there to do that and whatnot. Okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. You never, never mind. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this movie's really long. So, like, like when John Hamm goes away, finally, everybody else takes precedent. So, like, John Hamm's your red herring on top of uh, uh, the the whole film being a MacGuffin in general because uh, we haven't even talked about Chris Hemsworth, by the way. Because um, he enters the picture as uh, a, a demented cult leader who's uh, uh, who who's coming back after for the girl that was kidnapped by Dakota Johnson. Um, his character's pretty fucking interesting. The scene where he's with his cult and doing the little make it making the two fight fight each other for his affection is like it's 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 messed up and all kinds of wacky, but like he's really good in that moment and yeah, like it's it's supposed to be a statement on the like the oligarchy yeah and yeah the, yeah exactly i mean like and i don't I, I i'd be curious to know how much of this film is trying to say something because the only pre-production kind of thing i know about this is that drew goddard wrote this pretty quickly after the election um and that's not to say it has to have some sort of importance but it feels like it's trying to say something that i don't know if it's super, super clear. Yeah, I'm not sure what the message of the movie is. Other than, I guess, like, everyone's caught in their own personal hell and then eventually it all becomes the 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 main hell. I don't know. Like, I mean, the the, the motel burning up at the end has to mean something. Like, I, again, like, and this is just after a first viewing because, um, I mean, I'd like to watch it again. I think my issue also is, is that, like, I have to make time for this film, um, uh, which is not a problem. I do that for like hateful eight or like an epic film. Like uh, it's about as long as verse man, which, no, I, which I saw again today. Right. But like it, it, I, I have to sit with it, you know, whereas first man as slowish as it is, it captures your attention. I think a little bit better than this film. Yeah. Um, but I would be curious to watch it again and kind of just consider it from every angle that I possibly can. Cause like first impressions are tricky. Um, I, I'm more than willing to admit that I was wrong in a later episode. So. Yeah, actually, the stuff that I missed the first time, um, the scenes that I uh, wasn't in the room for, uh, actually did fill in the gaps a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, especially that first time uh, uh, Jeff Bridges gets hit with, hit the, hit, gets hit with the bottle. Mm -hmm. I was surprised I jumped because I knew it was coming. But then I realized that, it was a different angle that I didn't get to see the first time around. Right. Cause I was waiting, I was waiting for the shot of her to recognize that her drink is getting uh, spiked. Yeah. Oh shit. Then that, that, and, we, that, and that doesn't come the first time around. It comes in the second time yeah. she does it. So, and that shit did make me jump too. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh God. Um, uh, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
I mean, I I will applaud Drew Goddard for for making a film that original and that unique, and getting a big release for it out in the middle of the fucking like October month. And um, I don't know how. I don't it's... think he gets to decide that, but yeah. What? I don't think he gets to decide when it's distributed. Right, but like still, regardless, you know, he gets it distributed like in a wide platform. So um, it's it's pretty unique, and I would definitely recommend anyone go see it. I mean. It, it's certainly better than Venom, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, you know, most things are. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So says you. Uh, venom, venom, venom. Uh, so I guess next week we're going to see Halloween. Yes, uh, we're going to go back to Haddonfield and face our fate uh, when we see David Gordon Green's Halloween. Um, I've already seen it twice, guys. Um, so I'm probably going to go see it two more times, and then I'll talk about every angle. I wrote a 50 page essay for each frame of that film. So strap in for like a 2,700 hour podcast. So uh, Zach's going to be the only one on that podcast next week. <laughs> I'm going to take it off. Uh, spoilers. Also, it's not a podcast anymore. It's now a book for audible.com. <laughs> it's now a college thesis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and if, uh, Ryan can't make it again, then we'll just go see Johnny English, I guess. It's Johnny English. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, <laughs> If we just keep pushing it, I'm like, one day we'll review <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Zach died that year. <laughs> <laughs> Zach died waiting for the review. <laughs> uh, well, until next week, guys, uh, thanks for listening to Real Nerd Podcast. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day. <laughs>